happens when Saturday gets here. WJFF Jefferson Radio Catskill Public Radio for the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. We are keeping you connected. Stay tuned right now for uh, Let's Talk Vets here on Radio Catskill. Support for WJFF Radio Catskill comes from the River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, New York, riverreporter.com. From the Women's Health Center in Homesdale, Hamlin, Waymart, Carbondale, and Lords Valley in Pennsylvania. Physicians and certified midwives who deliver. The Women's Health Center is a Wayne Memorial Community Health Center. WMH.org. And from listener donations at WJFFradio.org. Well, good evening. Welcome to another edition of Let's Talk Vets here on Radio Catskill. I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg. We've got a lot to cover tonight, so we best get started. You know, we talk a lot about negative subjects on this program. Why? Because it's important for everyone to understand what our vets are up against. And it's important for our vets to understand they're not alone. Tonight, Got a lot of positive stuff for you, so stick around. Our guests include Daniel Perez, platoon leader of a very interesting organization called The Mission Continues. Thomas Zerhelen, U.S. Navy vet, associate professor at Marist College, author of the book The Low Road, member of VFW Post 170 in Poughkeepsie, and co-founder of Vet Zero. And... Krista Hines, Executive Director of Hudson River Housing. Well, before we get started this evening, here are a couple of recent notes of interest for you. Agent Orange exposure has caused a lot of death and suffering. And as we know, the Veterans Administration and our elected officials have been asleep at the wheel when it comes to providing the medical care these folks have earned and deserve. Unfortunately, once again, it comes down to noise and advocacy. And, of course, the threat of a loss of votes before anything gets done in Washington. Now, some may not know that fighting to get Agent Orange benefits for the Blue Water Navy veterans was started by two women both helping to get benefits for their husbands. Now, we are sorry to announce that one of them has passed away, Carol Olzenecki. Carol Olzenecki, also known as the Admiral, of the advocacy group fighting for not only Blue Water Navy veterans, but all veterans of every era and service, passed away Tuesday evening, the 15th of June, at approximately 1,800 hours. Now, everyone in the leadership of the Military Veterans Advocacy and Blue Water Navy Association will miss her. She was truly a fighter, made sure that her voice was heard in Washington, D.C. This past week, Juneteenth, became a federal holiday. June 19th, of course, is the date that 
General Gordon Granger announced to the last group of enslaved African Americans in Galveston, Texas, that the Civil War had ended and they were, in fact, free persons. The enactment of General Order Three came more than two years after President Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation on New Year's Day, 1863. Last Saturday, we had the occasion to interview U.S. Army Colonel Retired Christopher Holchuk. Now, we spoke with Chris as the American Legion Riders, the National Service Ride, the Buffalo Soldiers Riders, and other motorcyclists led a Juneteenth Underground Railroad Freedom Ride through Orange County, New York. Starting in Port Jervis, New York, which was the main entry point for the Underground Railroad for freedom-seeking slaves into New York State, they followed its general path through Goshen to Newburgh, and after picking up more riders along the way, ended up in Highland Falls. And there they joined the town's parade and celebration. And we'll air that interview in its entirety on our July 14th edition of Let's Talk Vets. Now here is Director Don Shaw with the latest news on the VA today. Good evening. Uh, I want to share some exciting news with you about our new clinical contact center starting July 1st here at VA Hudson Valley Healthcare System. We will begin our initiative to modernize our call centers and make it easier for our veterans to connect with both clinical and administrative experts 24 hours a day, seven days a week. VA Health Connect is VA's new virtual service that offers a simpler way for veterans to access the right care right now. There is a single toll-free number that will connect veterans to VA Health Connect professionals who have the right training and the right tools to ensure veterans get reliable care and quick support. This means 24 hours a day and seven days a week, veterans will be able to speak to VA staff who will provide integrated, coordinated care to meet their needs at the time that they call. Scheduling and administrative staff will be available to help veterans make, reschedule, and cancel appointments. We'll have pharmacists to assist in refilling and renewing prescriptions and answering medication-related questions. Our veterans will be able to speak with nurses, RNs, who will be standing by to discuss symptoms, concerns, and provide recommendations for their healthcare needs. And they'll even have access to providers by phone, video, or chat to discuss any of their healthcare needs in detail. Our focus is on first contact resolution, which means getting our veterans the answers and assistance they need the first time they reach out to us. Veterans who use VA Health Connect will continue to have access to the full range of in-person services available at our VA medical centers and our community-based outpatient clinics. And their health records will reflect care, pharmacy orders, appointments, entered by either clinical contact center or facility staff. It will be seamless. I look forward to providing our veterans with another option for personalized, coordinated care to improve their health goals and outcomes, and I can't wait to share this new service over the next few months. I also would like to share another update regarding our community living center's visitation, so that's our, our nursing home level of care. Thank goodness, due to uh, local uh, community numbers and VA numbers that have dramatically decreased as they relate to COVID, we are now moving into phase three of our community living center visitation plan, and we are expanding the guidelines for visitation to allow for more opportunities for direct contact and interaction between our inpatient veterans and their loved ones. So during this phase, Visitations can now be held inside for the, for the first time since the pandemic has started. Hugs are now allowed, brief time without masks, uh, and other changes to make the visits more intimate are being permitted. Dependent on the vaccination status of, the, of our veterans and the visitors. We continue to prepare to move into each consecutive phase as soon as VA central office permits and keeping our most vulnerable veterans safe remains our top priority. 
In addition, uh, we've been able to change our visitation for our medical unit as well, located at the Castle Point campus on our E2 floor. Our medical unit is also now able to accept visitation of family members for our veterans, um, and that can be organized uh, through our social work department. Another exciting thing happening at the Montrose campus of VA Hudson Valley, I'm very uh, happy to let you know that last week we opened our new primary care suite at the Montrose campus in Building 3. So I've provided some updates in the past, and, and we had the new addition put onto Building 3 last year, and now we have opened up the new suite that is part of that addition for primary care. So we have uh, state-of-the-art facilities for our veterans as they access their primary care providers. We also have a lot of other exciting projects on the horizon at both campuses, and we'll continue to provide updates as they are ready to open. Any idea of the percentage of veterans in your system that are now vaccinated? So we were just um, pulling up the numbers yesterday. So almost, not quite 70%, but almost there. I think it was 68%. And your system is, is basically what counties now? So it's um, Sullivan, Orange, Duchess, Putnam, Westchester, and Rockland. And then we, we, do, we do get a number of veterans from Ulster County, but technically that's part of Albany's catchment area. And last, I just want to end with just a reminder of some important phone numbers. Uh, our veteran crisis line, the number is 1-800-273-8255, and you press 1 for immediate assistance. And also we have our VA nurse helpline for clinical questions. That is 1-800-877-6976. Thanks very much for having me this evening, and everybody take care and stay safe. Identity and purpose are essential for everyone. We all need a reason to get out of bed in the morning, right? The transition from military to civilian can be daunting, especially for those suffering with post-traumatic stress, military sexual trauma, or traumatic brain injury. I mean, let's face it, even the most benign military experience changes a person. Learning to be a civilian again can be tough. Well, the Mission Continues is an organization that applies quasi-military structure to community improvement projects, and in so doing, an opportunity for veterans to work hand-in-hand -hand with members of their community. This partnership helps veterans make a smoother transition to the civilian world and gets them involved in their communities faster. Now here's Daniel Perez, platoon leader with The Mission Continues, to explain. Welcome uh, Daniel Perez, who's a platoon leader with an organization that I'm ashamed to say I hadn't heard of before. It's called The Mission Continues. Good morning, Daniel. Good morning, Doug. How are you doing? I'm fine. So um, let's start for our listeners with a 10,000-foot view of your organization, The Mission Continues. When and how was it formed, and how big is the organization today? The mission continues is a, that connects military veterans with service in their communities to try and create a movement of service here in the United States of America uh, to give our veterans a renewed sense of purpose after they get out. Uh, we have, I want to say, 86 platoons in 54 different cities inside uh, the United States. And I want to say we started around 2007. Originally, the mission continues was a program to connect veterans with a nonprofit uh, for about six months. And it sort of evolved into the platoon program that we have now, along with our various leadership programs that we have. 
Let's uh, start as we drill down with your mission statement. Okay. Our mission statement is to reconnect veterans and communities. Uh, really, it's all about purpose and service. So that's that's sort of the core of what we're trying to do here at The Mission Continues. Uh, we understand that veterans, when they get out, there's a, a bit of a loss of purpose. And uh, we try to give them that renewed sense by doing community service, by doing projects that have benefits inside their community. We, we feel like this, this not only helps the veterans reintegrate back into their communities, but it, it reinstates that idea of service inside our country that I think we desperately need right now. So the projects that you take on and the veterans that work those missions are typically from the communities in which they are working? Yes, typically that is the case. So kind of to start with the 2007 model where the idea was that uh, the mission continues, would take a veteran and we would mentor them and connect them with a nonprofit that they felt they could do some service with for about six months. And then that would you know, help them with their sense of purpose and help them create impact inside uh, our country. This sort of evolved after a while because we had a very positive response from these veterans and they wanted to do more after their six months was up and they wanted to, you know, connect with other veterans who felt the same way. So then we started the platoon program and the platoon program is the same, essentially the same model as the, uh, the original program, except we get a group of veterans to seek out problems inside their communities, to find nonprofits that are attacking those problems, and to reinvigorate those specific nonprofits with, you know, veteran manpower to accomplish the things that are, you know, impacting our community, to accomplish real changes that can affect our own communities. You certainly don't have to be, for example, I'm in Manhattan, and you don't have to be from Manhattan to serve in the platoon, and, but generally speaking, they tend to be people from, you know, the local area. Well, and it's, uh, that is one of the biggest problems I've heard over and over again, and it's very interesting that there's many different organizations uh, recognizing the importance of identity in a veteran's reintegration. As I've said before, the, Absolutely. the military does a great job of getting you in, does a lousy <laughs> job of getting you out. You nail on the head with that one. That is correct. <laughs> and that's something, that, that's something that we've definitely seen a lot of... Uh, a lot of traction with like and myself included uh, one of the reasons I ended up with the mission continues is because I felt that loss of purpose uh, after I got out you know I got a job I finished school I essentially on paper I was doing fine but you feel lonely you feel lost you feel like your day-to-day kind of doesn't really have any purpose and thankfully I found the mission continues I signed up for a project I met a group of outstanding people who cared about, you know, where we lived and making a difference, doing the right things, just being one of the good guys, essentially. And I got to to share stories. I got to do good in my community. I got to meet people inside my community I wouldn't have normally met. And all of a sudden, you know, I started to feel like, oh, I'm, I belong. This is actually, this is, this is not some strange land. It's, this is home. And it was, it helped. It helped a lot. So what was your service, Daniel, if I may ask? Where did you serve? Where were you deployed? I did eight years total in the United States Marine Corps. I was an infantryman serving out of Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Uh, I deployed multiple times, um, you know, mostly Iraq and Afghanistan. The other notable thing that I've picked up in talking to vets, the issues facing vets, especially when we talk about PTS, mm-hmm. are all pretty much the same. If Even if you go back to the first war we could record, there's yeah. some element to that in, in every person who has experienced armed conflict. Yeah, there's definitely commonalities. They go from maybe some of them, obviously the more severe trauma and that people have to deal with after they've seen some, they've been through some tragic events to, I don't want to say minor, but the more common ones. And the mission continues really tries to deal with the problems that lead to the more severe issues that a veteran can face when getting out or dealing with some traumatic stress. Part of that road sometimes for, in, in my experience, a lot of vets is they, they might have some that they're dealing with. And then you couple that with isolation and feelings of loneliness. You couple that with the loss of purpose. And then you couple that with, you know, maybe some self-medication 
And that's how they go down that road towards more severe problems. And one of the ways that Mission Continues feels that we can stop that process from happening is to get them in touch with other vets who've had the deal with the same issues, the same problems, give them a give them a mountain to climb, give them a project to solve, give them a, a mission to complete. And then that way they start putting kind of that energy into, you know, things that are good, things that help the community, things that have an impact to, on all of us. And then you start to see, you start to see that veteran that you knew when he or she was in, that veteran who, you know, got up and early and solved problems, that veteran who got up and completed the mission no matter how hard it was. You know, the veteran that we're, we're used to seeing, you get to see them again when they come home. Well, it's interesting that peer-to-peer uh, -peer counseling certainly is a key, but a, a good friend of mine brought to light, he said, uh, you also have to take veterans and teach them how to metaphorically speak civilian. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, in my experience, I, I got out of the Marine Corps in 2010, so I've been out a while now. And when I get a veteran who comes in to serve with one of our projects, Sometimes they've been out for a lot less time and they're, they're going through the struggle and I can interact with him or her and say, hey, I've been there. This is this is what I dealt with. This is the problems I had. This is how I solved them. This is some of them I'm still dealing with, you know, and then vice versa. I'll send them or somebody else will be there and be like, hey, I've had this problem, too. And then, you know, it's that uh, group helping each other out, which is something, you know, we lose when we get out. But we're trying to to make a thing again. Under the heading, What Guides Our Work, you mentioned the Empowered Veterans Index. And if we would think of that as a stool, there are three legs. These are the three main pillars of what makes the Mission Continues work, continues. I think. We were doing a lot of community service projects and, you know, doing a, a lot of things to help our community. But we wanted to find out what were the things that really move the needle when it came to veterans, when it came to reintegration, and when it came to impacting the community. And we came up with these three pillars that are sort of the essence of what we try to accomplish every time we, we reach out to the community and veterans. The three pillars are connectedness, personal growth, and community impact. Connectedness is really getting veterans to connect not only with other veterans, but with community members. This helps the transition process because they can share their problems with other veterans and they get to meet like-minded people in the community so that they realize it's not just veterans who kind of share some of this sense of service. Impact seems pretty straightforward. Uh, veterans like to do things that are hard and things that have an impact on, you know, the world around them. So we try to find projects that have a real impact on what's going on. And part of how we do that is we reach out to nonprofits that are having an impact in that community that are, you know, seeing that are trying to do the changes that we're trying to make and we support them. You know, we provide that extra manpower and the personal growth tends to be that that comes not only again from the community, but from the veteran. We understand that the, when they, the veterans do long-term kind of community service, they want to learn, they want to get better. It's simply just them trying to acquire new skills, meet new people. They want to, they want to expand and sort of, keep their influence going, if you will. And so those three pillars are what we found what works. We found that that's, that's how we can get veterans engaged. That's how we can have impact on the community. That's how we can get the community engaged. Now, do you enlist for a specified period of time? Uh, no. Generally speaking, at least the platoon program, you can sign up for the platoon and then you would get our our email correspondence or perhaps phone correspondence, letting you know what's happening, what projects we're doing, whether it's a social event or a community service project in the area, kind of just to keep you up to date on what the, the platoon's up to. And then you can sign up for a specific project or a specific social event whenever you have the time. Because we all understand that veterans tend to be busy guys or gals. They have, we have families, we have jobs, et cetera. So you're not necessarily locked into any specific time frame, you can show up when needed. At least that's the platoon program. Uh, we have some other programs, the Service Veteran Leadership Corps and the Women's Program, and those tend to be, you do, you are locked in for about six months. Because they're leadership programs, they, they teach you kind of the skills to build platoons or to build community organizations on your own. And so you would need to, 
to enlist, for lack of a better word, for about six months in those programs. Okay, could you drill down into those three? Okay, uh, I most certainly can. So the Service Leadership Corps is a six-month training program to teach veterans how to be leaders in their communities. Like you mentioned um, before, that we don't necessarily have platoons everywhere we'd like to have them. So part of that is trying to create independent veteran leaders in places where you know we might not have a presence. And that's just to get uh, veterans engaged in their community and to start making those changes. And so we teach them how to do that. It's a six-month process. It's a national program. And during that time, you will, you know, you'll learn leadership skills. You'll learn training on how to, you'll work with a national nonprofit on solving some problems inside this country. And, you know, at the end of it, you'll, you'll come out being able to lead veterans inside your can create real impacts. The Women's Veteran Leadership Program is a program specifically for women, and it's designed to create women leaders inside the veteran space. We found that female veterans had some issues to speak to that we felt weren't getting enough attention, and we wanted to help create lead who could speak to those things and solve problems inside our veteran space that we felt they were especially able to handle. So we created a six-month leadership program for women. It teaches them uh, interpersonal communications, public speaking, uh, increasing resiliency, and really focuses on storytelling as a leadership quality so that they can get their message out there. And the last program we have outside the platoon program is the mass deployment. Mass deployment, I kind of see as the platoon program on steroids. We will find a location or a problem inside typically a city that has some issue that we feel we can create a, a serious amount of impact on. Rather than me, let's say, hosting a project for a weekend or two weekends to solve this problem here or there, what we do is we enlist 100 veterans from across the country to go, go into this city and do a week-long worth of major projects to really kickstart a lot of the, the growth and impact that this community is trying to see, that we have a plan to, to initiate. And it's outstanding because it, it gets a lot of veterans into this, you know, the idea of service and leadership, or at least gets them back into that. And it really creates huge impacts inside where, wherever we decide to work at. Well, we've talked a lot about the details of how this is done. Mm -hmm. Could you maybe give us an example of how the mission continues approached a problem in a city or a neighborhood and, and what you did and what the results were and how it continues today? Sure. So that's, uh, that's an easy one. I'm a platoon leader here in Manhattan, and we found a nonprofit inside our community called Harlem Grown that teaches children resiliency and urban farming and sustainability practices inside the city. This helps with food insecurity because the particular areas of Harlem can have a high degree of food insecurity and there's a lot of food deserts out here, unfortunately. And it teaches children resiliency and responsibility through farming. It teaches them how to, how to care for something, how to understand where it comes from, from seed to table. And it teaches them responsibility in you know a lot of those ways. Now, this nonprofit uh, has an excellent mission statement, and they're very well connected inside the city to do this mission. However, they lacked a lot of the infrastructure that they needed to grow a lot of this food. They had the knowledge base, they had a lot of connections, but a lot of their areas were not prepped or ready to grow as much food or to host as many children as they needed. And that's where the mission continues stepped in. Um, I spoke with the Harlem Grown. We determined what they needed to get done. We determined how it had to get done. And then we started ordering materials. I started organizing projects. We got veterans out into the community. We told them what we're doing and why we're doing it. They obviously got on board. And we started building the infrastructure that this organization needed to impact all the children inside of Harlem to get them, you know, understanding where their food comes from, have a little bit, you know, more of respect for, you know, calories and the food they're ingesting into their system. And so far, we've had a major impact on Harlem and the, the children that have been inside all the schools that have been dealing with a lot of these troubles. Uh, we've increased their capacity. We, they had one farm. I think we've, we're up to like four or five now. 
And I don't know the specific numbers on the number of kids impacted, but uh, we've we've had major impact here in, in Harlem. Okay, before we wrap it up, uh, I wanted to ask you, obviously there's nothing up here in Sullivan County uh, yeah. that's involved with Mission Continues. If somebody wanted to get involved, two-part question. Number one, can they get involved with Mission Continues even though there's no active platoon up here? And if they Absolutely. wanted to actually start something up here, how do they go about that? Who do they contact? What do they do? So you do not have to be in, a, in one of the cities that we have platoons to be involved with the Mission Continues. If you want to be involved with the Mission Continues, I, I would think the first and best stop is to start with our Service Leadership Corps. I would, I would look it up online and fill out an application. But that is a, the six-month training program, which basically teaches you all the skills that you need to kind of start your own thing wherever you are. However, if you're looking for some support, I'm willing to help out there in Sullivan County. I can be reached at dperez at missioncontinues.org. Tell me what you're trying to handle, and I can at least get the ball rolling. I'll start helping you solve problems in Sullivan County. Could you give folks an idea of how they could uh, possibly contribute if they wanted to, either monetarily or some other way, and your contact information, your website, and anything else uh, they might need to know if they want to help you out or get involved. Sure. So uh, if you want to donate either time or money, you go to missioncontinues.org and you can get, there's a donate button where you can donate. We suggest $50, but you can donate whatever, whatever you feel appropriate. And if you feel that you want to give us your time, uh, you can go to get involved and it'll give you a map of the country and you can either put in your city your zip code, and it'll tell you the service projects that are going on nearest you. Or look up Mission Continues uh, Service Leadership Corps, like I said, and look into that six-month program that teaches you how to engage with the community and kind of gives you those skills that you can to start your own thing inside your own community. Well, I thank you very much, Daniel. And No, listen, thank you very much. And uh, for what it's worth, if anybody would like to start something up there, I yep. would be really happy to help. You know, it's it's definitely a challenge, but you know, I'm I'm willing to put in a little work if they are. You know what I mean? So if somebody if somebody wanted to do something, is there a, a way that you guys would do some sort of a virtual presentation for them to to give them an example of what they're getting into, so to speak? Tell them to reach out to me, and I'll make I'll make something happen. That's cool. Okay, Daniel. Thank you. All right, man. Thanks, Doug. Take Thank care, you. sir. Bye. 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 You're listening to Let's Talk Vets on Radio Catskill, WJFF. I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg. Thomas Zerhelen is a U.S. Navy vet, an associate professor of English at Marist College. And in 2018, he was planning to take a sabbatical and write a book. However, the best laid plans often change. Such was the case when Thomas met Krista Hines, executive director, Hudson River Housing. Now, as commander of the Poughkeepsie VFW Post, Thomas was looking for ways that the Post could become more involved with the local community. Working with Krista, an organization called Vet Zero was founded with the goal of zero veteran suicide and zero veteran homelessness. And Thomas felt a great way to call attention to the plight of at-risk veterans was to take a leisurely stroll 2,866 miles across America and spread the word. So, in April of 2019, the trek began, and Thomas wrote a book, albeit probably not the one he planned. Good morning, folks. Good morning. Good morning, Doug. How are you? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Thomas, let's start with your service. Sure. Uh, I'm a proud Navy veteran. I served uh, the United States Navy in the early 90s. I actually joined the Navy right out of college, which made my parents very happy. 
Uh, but I, I joined right during the Gulf War. It must have been bad at home. And, uh, you know, I won't change it for anything, though. I served from 91 to 97 and then a couple of years in the reserves. And I was stationed out in Seattle and we made it over to the Gulf a couple of times. Okay, well, you've been on point for an organization slash movement called Vet Zero, and uh, let's talk about Vet Zero's mission is zero veteran suicides and zero veteran homelessness. That's right, Doug. You know, when I got back from my walk across America in the summer of 2019, you know, I, I knew I wanted to do something with the funds that we raised, so my friends and working partner, Krista Hines, and I came up with the idea of Vet Zero, which is a, a veteran service project to help our local veterans here in, in Poughkeepsie and Dutchess County deal with veteran homelessness and mental health issues. Okay, tell us a little bit more about your stroll across America. <laughs> well, I still can't walk upstairs, Doug, and that was, uh, what, two years ago? But, yeah, I just got so frustrated. I had become the commander of the local VFW here in Poughkeepsie in 2018, and I would get about a call a day from veterans and veteran organizations asking for help, and we just didn't have the resources to help everybody at the VFW. And I got really frustrated, and I'm also a professor of English here at Marist College, and I had a sabbatical coming up, so instead of, you know, writing another novel, I knew I wanted to do something big to bring awareness to these challenges for our veterans. So <laughs> I can't sing or dance. So I uh, chose to walk across the country. I started in Portland, Oregon in April 2019 and somehow, armed only at the start anyway, with a mailbag and some good intentions, I made it all the way back home to Poughkeepsie, New York, 2,866 miles later. So based on that, you wrote a book called The Low Road. I guess that is a chronicle of your trip? It is. It is. So uh, it's a memoir about the walk, but it, you know, it turns out I'm not really the hero of the book at all. The heroes are all the amazing veterans that I meet along the way and sharing their stories. You know, the more veterans I met on that walk, Doug, uh, the more I realized their stories were different, but they were all the same, too. There's a lot of forgotten veterans out there. Uh, in cities, in, in the country, in rural areas. And uh, they all shared that same notion that uh, our country has forgotten them a little bit. So when you read The Low Road, all proceeds from the book go directly to Hudson River Housing and their veteran program. So we're really excited about that. Was there ever a point where you wanted to quit? <laughs> well, you definitely want to read the book. Day two, uh, I couldn't get out of bed. I was uh, in a motel in Sandy, Oregon. I literally couldn't move my legs, so I had to crawl to the bathroom to go to the bathroom. And that's uh, that was a harrowing chapter, but uh, pretty much every day. But the one instance that turned it around for me was day eight. I met a Vietnam veteran on the road, and uh, it really changed things for me because up until then, on day eight, I really didn't know why I was out there, but... After talking with this Vietnam veteran, I had a much clearer sense. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about walking across the country. It was about sharing the stories of our veterans and, you know, getting their voice out there. Sounds like there could be a movie or at least a Sunday afternoon feature in the offing, huh? Yep. Krista and I have always thought who's going to play us in the movie. So <laughs> so who would who would play you, Thomas? <laughs> I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Vince Vaughn. You know he's tall. We're about the same age. He's a little skinnier than me. <laughs> Maybe a little less less good looking, but uh, I think he would be perfect. Sounds like a good choice. Okay, so you Vet Zero was organized under the uh, umbrella, if I can use that term, of Hudson River Housing, and that's where you come in, Krista. So let's talk a little bit more about. Hudson River Housing and, and the services that, that you provide to area residents. Let's walk us through the programs, starting with your very extensive homeless outreach and services. Sure. You know, it's, it's great to be here, Doug, and thanks for having me. I, um, as you said, I'm Krista Hines. I'm the executive director of Hudson River Housing, and we've been around for, we're about to celebrate our 40th year, and our Roots all started way back when um, with the mission of addressing homelessness, and that remains very much a core of what we do 
you know, we're more about just dealing with a crisis situation and, and um, addressing that. We really believe in breaking the cycle of homelessness and wealth building and improving lives. And that's ultimately why we do what we do. And so we've developed a lot of housing over the years and programs that um, really provide opportunities and, again, are aimed at, at really helping people get out of the, the crisis situation that they're in. But we're very proud to be the provider of the only overnight emergency shelter in Dutchess County. Um, our services are based in the city of Poughkeepsie, but we do serve all of Dutchess County, and, and the shelter has been really a core program of ours. When the pandemic first hit, we really expanded the shelter so that we could safely accommodate everyone. Right now, we can serve up to about 150 people every night, and we're, we're, we're doing that. We're seeing about 100 or so people um, on a nightly basis. And, and the shelter that I'm speaking of is called Webster House. This is specifically for adults, single adults that are experiencing homelessness. We do have other programs for families as well. And we really serve everyone. We have services for youth. We have a youth shelter for um, young people that are experiencing issues at home that may need a, a respite um, from, from a difficult family situation so they can come and stay with us in our shelter and, and meet with um, our care managers who will try to connect them back to their family or find another more appropriate um, living situation. And again, we serve everyone We all the way through to, to seniors. We have um, a lot of senior housing and um, you know, obviously the topic today is really to focus on our work with veterans. We're very committed to serving veterans. We have a, a dedicated program for veterans that are experiencing homelessness. It's called Liberty Station. Uh, again, it's in the city of Poughkeepsie, and we have 26 units of housing. It's permanent housing with uh, a beautiful kitchen facility and a shared um, bathroom situation. It's basically like a dormitory style housing uh, living situation. But we are, you know, 99% full every every day. We have a lot of um, need out there, unfortunately. So we're looking to create more housing for veterans. And that's really where you know, this whole project with Tommy has been such a blessing because when I met him three years ago, we had just lost a significant funding stream for our veteran work. And uh, it was just such a such a blessing um, that he came in the door with with such enthusiasm and things we have done over the last three years have been really remarkable. So part of the, the key to solving this uh, homeless problem or at least improving it is reaching these folks, and you have an extensive street outreach program, right? We do. We do. Um, we know that uh, that there are a lot of people out there that for a variety of reasons are not comfortable um, coming into our shelter, so we, we do. We go right out on the street. We have a whole team of folks that do this work, and it's a very non-confrontational, welcoming team that we really are trying to build relationships and trust with the folks that are in in this crisis situation and and that's very important so we it's a consistent effort to um to build that trust and and you know eventually hopefully they will come in and receive the services that they deserve i'm going to assume that the covid pandemic made things a lot more critical and uh, probably uh, the volume of folks needing your services increased dramatically. It did. And not only our housing services, but really our mental health services have have been really needed because obviously folks that are living in poverty and experiencing homelessness are already in such a state of crisis. But then you throw a serious pandemic on top of it. It just really exacerbated the problem. And the one silver lining, though, I will have to say is that I think many people that were not aware of how important housing is and the importance of home really is because we've all been sort of forced to be in our homes. And if you don't have a home, obviously, it's very difficult. So I think the the empathy and the awareness about housing has really increased. So we're really trying to to build on that. Uh, and that's why, you know, doing programs like this with you and just getting the word out about how important housing is is so critical to the, to the work that we do. Tell us about uh, your human trafficking intervention. So that is a part of the youth program that I was mentioning earlier. Sadly, we are seeing quite a few young people that have experienced that horrific crime of human trafficking. So we have a hotline where folks can call if they are in a situation like that. They can immediately come into a safe 
place that we provide. Um, and again, we have a team of, of care managers that, that work very closely um, with them and connect them, you know, to the services that they need after something so horrific as, as human trafficking. Are you seeing any increase in um, folks in that uh, situation since increase in uh, issues at the border? I, you know, I, I don't know if we're seeing a direct link to that in our area. I think, you know, probably if we were in, in a greater urban setting, maybe we would. But we are seeing an increase, though, in, in that specific service needed. Very troubling. I don't know if it's specifically related to the to the uh, the border situation and all that. It is a probably one of the worst. I mean, we see a lot of very tragic stories, but that's probably one of the, the hardest to to deal with, honestly. Okay, let's shift back to Vet Zero if we can. And uh, Heroes Making Heroes, that's an intriguing title. What's that all about? I, I will just set the stage by saying that um, Hudson River Housing developed a historic building a few years ago. It's called the Poughkeepsie Underwear Factory, and it's a beautiful building that we brought back to life. We have a, a commercial kitchen in that facility, and as well as housing and, and other commercial space available for arts organizations. But because of the pandemic, our our big kitchen has been sort of in a state of transition. And this was actually Tommy's brilliant idea of um, seeing how we could incorporate the commercial kitchen that we have and the cafe operation that we used to run in that space with the veteran work that we do. So that's kind of where the, the Heroes Making Heroes idea was born. It's a social enterprise employment program where veterans can learn the field of culinary arts. They'll be working in our commercial kitchen, making hero style sandwiches. So it's both an employment program as well as a a food business where we will be um, also addressing some of the food insecurities that we're seeing in our community. So I'll let Tommy talk a little bit more about it as well. Well, you know, Doug, I love two things in this world, and that's helping veterans and eating sandwiches. So I told Krista, is there a way that we could do both at the same time? And of course, Heroes Making Heroes was born. And uh, Krista promises me I'll be the chief tester of the sandwiches. Yes, you uh, will. I hope, I hope that's still true, Krista. Absolutely. <laughs> you think yeah, that'll, that'll have a scene? Will that have a scene in the movie? that's a great idea Doug we're really excited we've hired a manager for the program her name's Latrace she's a marine veteran and she's fabulous and we're really excited about bringing uh, these heroes making heroes to local farmers markets and the Poughkeepsie waterfront and every other festival event this summer to share the Vet Zero story but also you know deliver some amazing sandwiches it's a pay it forward uh, model so uh, you know you pay what you can uh, if you can afford to, you know, buy two sandwiches, we ask that you do so. So somebody who can't buy a sandwich at all can, you know, have a delicious sandwich. So I think everybody wins, and we're really excited about it. I would ask that you uh, drop me an email and let me know when you know where your schedule is going to be as far as what festivals you're going to be at and fairs and such sure. this summer so we can put that on the air for you, huh? Yep, we're working on that summer schedule, and uh, we're going to be out uh, all over the Hudson Valley this summer. Good, because I get hungry as well. So, <laughs> um, What about the ride program? Yeah, so uh, when we finished the walk, uh, Krista and I came up with the Vet Zero Heroes Ride, which is basically transportation for veterans to their vital appointments, like the doctor or pharmacy or even the grocery store. I think we take for granted uh, how easy we have it when we have our own car. And many people out there, including many veterans, uh, don't have their own uh, reliable means of transportation. If you ever tried to take the bus in the Hudson Valley, Doug, it's come and go. So we've got the Vet Zero ride working pretty much every day. And it's really easy. All you have to do is call the number 1-833-VET-ZERO. And you can schedule a ride a week in advance. And like we said, it's completely free. And we've been taking people for their appointments now since November 2019. Is that right, Krista? Yeah, and we've done, I think we're close to like seven, 800 rides. It's just, wow. I think just this month we had 80 uh, requests for rides. So what, it's, what area does that serve? All of Duchess. We even do outside of Duchess. Um, so really just call us and we will, we will do everything we can to make it happen. Okay. And I, and I have to imagine that, um, you folks 
have relationships uh, with other agencies so that um, if somebody comes to you with a problem that you can't handle, uh, you can do a warm handoff to somebody that you know can? I'm so glad you brought that up, honestly, Doug, because we have we have tremendous relationships with lots of organizations. And the one that really stands out right now to me is Mental Health of America. Um, we not only do we partner with them on veteran, uh, their vet to vet program and, and working with the veterans, they we, we partnered up with them um, when the, the pandemic hit. And because we were always running the overnight shelter. For Dutchess County, they were running a daytime program for people experiencing homelessness. So we came together, um, and now we are providing services 24-7 in the same location, which just makes it so much easier for people. Um, they don't have to leave our shelter and, and go to their shelter during the day, and the transportation and all that was crazy. So we're, we're so thankful um, to them and, and to our many other partners. I could I could go on and on for hours to talk about that. Okay, how can we support Hudson Valley Housing slash Vet Zero? Please go to our website, um, www.hudsonriverhousing.org. There's lots of ways people can get involved. Um, We have volunteer opportunities. Obviously, um, donations are always welcome and and put to tremendous good use. I I will mention the shelter runs on 100% volunteer meals. So we have 100 people staying in our shelter every single night. And every single night we have a group that will bring a hot meal to those folks. And this has been going on for 40 years. It's a tremendous service that the community provides. That is a huge need for us. So if if anyone listening is willing to get with their friends and family, make a meal, um, bring it down to the shelter, we would be so, so appreciative of that. Tommy, where can uh, we buy the low road? Really easy. The same website, Doug. Just go to www hudsonriverhousing.org and then when you go there you'll see the vet zero link click on that and you're on your way now the book is uh, as we said all proceeds go to these vet zero programs we've been talking about and the price of the book is uh very special too it's 22 dollars, and again that recognized uh that sobering statistic of 22 veteran suicides every day so the book itself uh, is going to help folks, but uh, when you buy the book, you're not really buying a book. You're helping veterans. Well, I have one final question for you, Tom. Okay. Is there anything you can't do? <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have to ask Krista that. She's seen me walk and try to run, so uh, I... there's, there's plenty of things I can't do. But you know what? Uh, I'm glad you asked that, Doug, because, you know, people ask me, how did you walk across the country by yourself? And I say, always, I didn't walk across the country by myself. I might have walked alone, but there's so many people who helped me get to where I was going, including Krista and her team at Hudson River Housing. So I'll always be thankful for that. Okay. For either one of you, do we have any closing thoughts? I just want to thank you for the opportunity. Like I said, it's so important for us to get the word out, not only about our services, but just the need for more affordable housing. And we, you know, we really appreciate all the support we can get in that regard. So thank you for having me. Yep. And if you want, again, if you want to find out more about what we do at Vet Zero or Hudson River Housing, uh, just check us out at HudsonRiverHousing.org. Well, that's terrific. Thank you very much, both of you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Doug. Now, Vet Zero has recently teamed up with Hudson Valley Center for Veterans Reintegration at VetCorps Hudson Valley to save the home of Vietnam veteran Doug Norman, who passed in 2019, leaving his wife Ginta in a house that was literally falling apart. Now, they're calling upon all Hudson Valley veterans and anybody else who'd like to help especially those with experience in the building trades, to come together this fall and make this fallen hero's home safe again for his widow. Please contact Kevin Keevney, Hudson Valley Center for Veterans Reintegration, for more details. Kevin can be reached at 845-483-4004.
And our sincere thanks tonight to Don Shaw, Director, VA Hudson Valley Healthcare System. Daniel Perez, platoon leader, the mission continues. Thomas Zerhelen, U.S. Navy vet, associate professor of English at Marist College, author of The Low Road, member of VFW Post 170 in Poughkeepsie, and co-founder of Vet Zero. And, of course, Krista Hines, who's executive director, Hudson Valley Housing. And to you for joining us once again. Please let your friends know about this program and share with us your comments and suggestions for future shows. Also, send us your upcoming events so we can talk about them on the air. You can email me at vets at wjffradio.org. You can leave us a voicemail at 845-431-6500. And don't forget, this program is now available all the way back to the beginning in August of 2018 as a podcast. All you have to do is Google Let's Talk Vets podcast. Until our next formation, thanks for listening. Thank you for your service. Company dismissed. Well, we'll leave you tonight with a thought put to music. It's a thought that every military mom will relate to. A Mother's Love by Jill Miller. Good night. God bless. Wasn't it yesterday You were running out to play And I tell you, son Stay close to home From our kitchen sink I'd watch you close And always think About how fast You were growing Now all I can let you go You're off to chase your dreams Become a man, be a marine And Lord, it scares me so City of Melbourne, Australia's music capital, where African musicians and curators are making their mark in surprising ways. Join me for Africa in Melbourne next time on Afropop Worldwide from PRX. Saturday night at 9 on Radio Catskill. WJFF Jeffersonville. You're listening to Radio Catskill. This week in This American Life. So somebody gives you a time machine. What would you do with it? Yeah, warn people of disasters, I guess. I'm going to go back and I'm going you know, to kill Hitler. Or kill Hitler when he's a baby or kill his mother or something. So some people want to change history. Others are more selfish. Probably wouldn't have asked my ex-wife out that first time. There are some people that I wish I could have punched. This week. This American Life. Saturday evening at 6. 
Support comes from the Law Office of John Ferrara in Monticello, providing legal services in the areas of matrimonial and family law and criminal defense. John.Ferrara557 at gmail.com. Support comes from the Vintage House on Main Street, Jeffersonville, featuring eclectic furnishings, clothing, antiques, records, and books in a charming 19th century house. VintageHouseJVille.com and on Instagram at VintageHouseJVille.